0: And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show, coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas, gateway to the Old West, the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is April the fourth, ninety-fourth day of the year. Two hundred seventy-one days remain to the year's over with. And y- y'all asked for for me to list all the holidays and observances on any particular show day. So I'm going to talk about the holidays and national days for April the 4th. Maybe. Hmm seem to have a bit of a hiccup here. Well, I'm not getting cooperation from my system. The uh the only one that pops up is National Walkaround Day, which I find absolutely silly. But who am I? Well that's uh I'm going to have to reboot my system. It's not um uh, cooperating and occasionally it does that though normally it is very very dependable you know it's interesting to note that um, thanks to Manhattan D.A. Bragg and a few others, we've officially become a banana republic. We uh, indict our former presidents because we don't like them. If uh, every president who had done something out of line got indicted, every president would have been indicted. The one we got now, I mean, we're talking about Financial corruption going all the way back to when he was v p and then if you mention taking any action against him it's like you have you have uh discussed wanting to take action against the pope. It's just absolutely unbelievable well. It still doesn't want to. Uh, no. We're sitting on the. Well, I guess we can't do our history segment today because I can't bring up my notes. You know, a lot of the history. We have been taught is actually um, not true. Or it's only partially true. There's a lot of suppressed evidence and hidden history about a lost race. You know, when when a time when human beings were able to access unlimited amounts of information in the blink of an eye, it seems that all ancient myths and mysteries would be on the verge of being solved as either fact or fiction the, um, yeah, despite all this information we have available most people live um, in what's supposed to be a technological utopia the simple truths of bygone eras appear to be harder than ever to prove now the question would one question would be does it is it because it um, doesn't exist, or is there a worldwide archaeological cover up going on that is uh, determined to keep the status quo going? Now this is absolutely. Um, I've got things that I pulled up yesterday that are popping right up today. But what I try to do today isn't uh, coming up. Even news channels that I couldn't get at 6 o'clock this morning are popping right up. It's just amazing. Let's try one more time. Ah, there we go. There seems to be some type of um, Issue. Accessing to, accessing today's internet, and yet everything according to the system is working perfectly. Doesn't make it. Uh huh. There we are, right there. Now let's let's go there and see if we can do it more than one way to scan it there we are well April 4th is the uh, 94th day of the year 271 days remain to the years over with now let's see about holidays and observances national hug a Newsperson day I've seen a few on TV I'd like to hug uh, 404 day it's um. Considered one of the most important days by indulging your need for free expression, which uh, the current administration is doing its best to stamp out. Discover National Parks Fortnight. Uh, This particular day urges you to grab your backpack and head outdoors. Uh, It's Holy Tuesday. International Carrot Day. One of the favorite days of Bugs Bunny. International Day of land for Landmine Awareness and Assistance and Mine Action. International Day for Mine Awareness and Assistance and Mine Action again. Jeep uh, 4x4 four four Day. Mahavir Jayanti. Um, the birth date. National Cordon Blue Day. National Dillon Day. National School Librarian Day, National Sexual Assault Awareness Month's Day of Action, National Vitamin C Day, National Walk Around Things Day, Um, Sexual Assault Day of Action, Synagogue Independence Day, a day that this administration loves to to have come around is Tell-A-Lie Day, Victims of Violence, Holy Day. Uh, this day is in honor of those who are fighting racial injustice. And uh, World Rat Day. Another day that celebrates Congress. Alright. Having uh, gotten through that, finally. Let's uh, go back to... In 503 B.C., Roman consul Agrippa Meninius Lanatus celebrates a triumph for a military victory over the Sabines. In 190 A.D., Dong Zhao has his troops evacuate the capital Lulang and burn it to the ground. If I can't have it, you're not either. 611, Maya King Una Chan of Chalamul, Saks' rival city-state Palinque in southern Mexico, in 801, King Louis the Pious captures Barcelona from the Moors after a siege of several months. And he was not pious. I don't care what they said. 1268, a five-year Byzantine-Venetian peace treaty is concluded between Venetian envoys and the Emperor Michael VIII Paliagos. 1423, death of the Venetian Doge Tommaso. Mocenigo, under whose rule victories were achieved against the Kingdom of Hungary and against the Ottoman Empire at the Battle of Gallipoli. 1581 Francis Drake is knighted by Queen Elizabeth I for completing a circumnavigation of the world. 1609 Mariscos are expelled from the Kingdom of Valencia. Uh, 1660 Declaration of Breda by King Charles II of Great Britain promises, among other things, General Pardon, all royalists and opponents of the monarchy for crimes committed during the English Civil War and in the interregnum. 1796. Georges Cuvier delivers the first paleontological lecture. 1814. Napoleon abdicates conditionally for the first time and names his son Napoleon II as. Emperor of the French, followed by an unconditional abdication two days later. 1818, Congress, affirming the Second Continental Congress, adopts the flag of the U.S. with 13 red and white stripes and one star for each state. There were 20 states at that point in time. 1841, William Henry Harrison dies of pneumonia, becoming the first president of the U.S. to die in office and setting the record for the briefest administration. I think he caught pneumonia during the the presidential parade honoring his um, election. Vice President John Tyler succeeds Harrison as president. 1860 Declaration on the introduction of the Finnish markka as an official currency is read in different parts of the Grand Duchy of Finland. 1865 American Civil War. The day after Union forces capture Richmond, Virginia, President Lincoln visits the Confederate capital. 1866, Alexander II of Russia narrowly escapes an assassination attempt by Dmitry Karla Kazov in the city of St. Petersburg. 1867, Argonia, Kansas elects Susanna Salt as the first female mayor in the U.S. 1905, an Indian earthquake hits the Kangra Valley, killing 20,000, destroying most buildings in Congra, the gaj and Thuramassau. 1913, First Balkan War. Greek aviator Emmanuel Argiopoulos becomes the first pilot to die in the Hellenic Air Force when his plane crashes. 1925, the Schutzstaffel, the SS, founded under Adolf Hitler's Nazi Party in Germany. This day in 1933, US Navy airship USS Akron is wrecked off the New Jersey coast due to severe weather. 1944, World War II. First bombardment of oil refineries in Bucharest by Anglo-American forces kills 3,000 civilians. 1945 World War II US Army troops liberate Aardriff forced labor camp in Germany. 1945 also saw US Army troops capture Cassell. Also on the same date Soviet Red Army troops liberate Hungary from the German occupation and occupy the country themselves. 1946 Greek judge and archaeologist Penogolis Politsas is appointed Prime Minister of Greece in the midst of the Greek Civil War. 1945, Cold War. Twelve nations signed the North Atlantic Treaty, creating the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. 1958, the CNDP symbol is displayed in public for the first time in London. 1960, French, France agrees to grant independence to the Mali Federation, the Union of Senegal and French Sudan. 1963, Bye Bye Birdie, a musical romantic comedy film directed by George Sidney, is released. female lead was the one and only Anne Margaret. 1964, the Beatles occupy the top five positions on the Billboard Hot 100 Pop Chart. 1967, Martin Luther King Jr. delivers his Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silent speech in New York City's Riverside Church. On this day in 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated by James Earl Ray at a motel in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, the story of that assassination is fascinating. Um, He escaped in a car. And on the police band radio, all officers were sent in the opposite direction by some unknown person so he could escape. Now, he was a small-time criminal who managed to escape to Europe and lived like a king. So, there was a whole lot more to the story than just James Earl Ray. Also, on the same day in sixty-eight, NASA launches Apollo 6. In 1969, Dr. Denton Cooley implants the first temporary artificial heart. 1973, the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York City are officially dedicated. 1973, a Lockheed C 141 Starlifter, dubbed the Hanoi Taxi, makes the last flight of Operation Homecoming. 1975, Microsoft is founded as a partnership between Bill Gates and Paul Allen in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The reason that Microsoft didn't stay in Albuquerque, he was arrested, but Gates was arrested, and they said, We don't want you count here. So he left. 1975, Vietnam War. U.S. Air Force Lockheed C 5A Galaxy transporting orphans crashes near Saigon, South Vietnam shortly after takeoff. 172 people are killed. 1975, Southern Airways Flight 242 crashes in New Hope, Paulding County, Georgia, killing 72. 1979, Prime Minister Zufakar Ali Bhutto of Pakistan is executed. 1981, Iran, the Iraqi War. Islamic Republic of Iran Air Force mounts an attack on H3 air base and destroys about 50 Iraqi aircraft. 1983 Space Shuttle Program Challenger makes its maiden voyage into space on STS-6. 1984 President Reagan calls for an international ban on chemical weapons. 1988 Governor Meacham of Arizona is convicted in his impeachment trial and removed from office. 1990 the current flag of Hong Kong is adopted for post colonial Hong Kong during the third session of the 7th National People's Congress. When you got People's Congress or people's anywhere in the name, you're dealing with uh, an organization that is primarily communist in nature. 1991, Senator John Haynes of Pennsylvania and six others are killed when a helicopter collides with their airplane over an elementary school in. Marion, Pennsylvania. In 1991, 41 people are taken hostage inside a good guy's electronic store in Sacramento, California. Three of the hostage takers and three hostages are killed. 1994, three people are killed when KLM City Hopper Flight 433 crashes at Amsterdam Airport uh, to Slyffield. 1996, the Comet. Hayakutaki is imaged by the USA Asteroid Orbiter Near-Earth Asteroid Rendezvous. 2002, the MPLA government of Angolan UNITA rebels sign a peace treaty ending the Angolan Civil War. 2009, France announces its return to full participation of its military forces in NATO. 2010, magnitude 7.2 earthquake hits south of the Mexico-USA border killing two damaging buildings across two countries. 2013, more than 70 people are killed and a building collapsed in Thane, Indiana. Excuse me, India. 2017, Syria conducts an airstrike on Khan Sheikhoun using chemical weapons, killing 89 civilians. 2020, China holds a national day of mourning for martyrs who died in the fight against the novel coronavirus disease outbreak, even though they started it, but that's neither here nor there. 2023, Finland becomes a member of NATO after Turkey becomes the last member state to accept their membership request of Finland, which they submitted at the start of the Russian war of aggression against Ukraine." Well, finally we got through all the things that are happening on this particular date in history. You know, there's, as I said earlier, there's um, a lot of suppressed and hidden evidence and hidden history that supports the fact that there is a lost race. Now, as I said, was asking when everything finally came back up, is there a worldwide archaeological cover-up going on that's determined to keep the status quo going? Despite the fact that theory of evolution is just a theory, and when it's constantly challenged and bombarded by new discoveries, it's a theory that for better or for worse has become the standard end-all be-all of accepted academia. And lo, if you oppose academia, they'll cut you off at the knees. But what happens when new evidence threatens to upend this universally accepted theory? Most of the time it's ridiculed, swept under the rug, or frankly just ignored. Take, for instance, the theory that ancient giants once roamed the earth thousands or even hundreds of years ago. Now it is a footnote of mankind's history verified and spoken about by all the ancient cultures from various parts of the globe, and yet, despite being mentioned in the Bible and other ancient um holy texts, the idea that a forgotten race of ancient giants existed in times immemorial has been relegated to the realms of fantasy and Nothing else. Now this seems a bit harsh considering that new species of humans have popped up with mass and frequency uh, throughout the uh, the past I don't know, 20 years. Take for instance the enigmatic red cave deer people. A, a mysterious new species of ancient humans identified from cranial bones, jaw bones, and teeth fragments. It was discovered in 2012 in two southwest China cave sites. 2015, fish went off the coast of Taiwan, discovered a four-inch fossilized human jawbone belonging to a new kind of primitive human that once inhabited Southeast Asia about 200,000 years ago. Scientists named the discovery Pinghuman, as the bone was discovered in a fishing net near the remote Pingu Islands. This uh, Pinghu Man bone is the right side fragment of a lower jaw with four complete teeth still attached. Scientists have concluded that the jawbone is related to the two other forms of Homo erectus, the Peking Man or Java Man. It belongs to an unknown separate race of primitive people altogether. The Bingu Man jawbone is also unrelated to the Hobbit race, uh, Homo Fauroncestus, whose fossilized remains were discovered on a nearby Indonesian island in 2003. The Hobbit race, like those depicted in J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings fantasy adventure were alive and well in Indonesia as recently as 18,000 years ago. Despite having the brain the size of a grapefruit, I mean, frankly, if they were here today, they'd all be sitting in Congress. Thanks to their tea, scientists have been able to confirm that the hobbits once roamed the Earth as a completely separate species. But new theories regarding the, the hobbits are... Um. Putting his status in jeopardy as they're now being related to a much more diminishing role of the human ancestor, maybe as a smaller medically challenged abnormality rather than a completely separate species. But the speculation and mystery and controversy remains as uh, it seems the hobbits were around as recently as 12,000 years before their sudden disappearance. Curiously enough, this is the exact same time period in which the Pre-flood worlds came to an end and the cataclysmic events of the Ice Age began. This means the hobbit was around at the same time as the other pre-flood hominin species, marking their existence as both exciting and incredibly confusing. We know that modern humans made it to Australia about uh, 50,000 years ago, and to get there they passed through Africa, which puts them in a general area of Southeast Asia and Indonesia, Flores Islands, where the hobbits existed, This means they must have lived alongside any sentient species that crossed their paths during this time period. And since humans have a way of destroying everything around them, who's to say we didn't wipe out the hobbits um, as well? And whoever was left of that tiny race was then destroyed by the natural disasters that uh, upended Earth during the Ice Age. It's no secret this destructive timeline happens to match the extinction of other human species like the Neanderthals and the mysterious uh, Denisovans, who disappeared shortly before the Last Ice Age and after modern man entered the picture. But more new species of ancient humans are being discovered all the time. Take for instance, instance the H. nalida, a mysterious dwarf species, similar to the hobbit discovered deep in South African cave in 2015. The bones of this species were dated to at least a half million years ago adding another mystifying branch to the family tree. What about uh, Homo rudolfensis? You ever heard of them? Another strange human species discovered in Kenyan in the 1970s, whose remains are um, more than 1.9 million years old. That's about 2 million years shy of yet another newly unearthed species of uh, humans uh, discovered in the uh, far region of Ethiopia in 2015. A team of archaeologists made the discovery of hominin jaw bones and teeth belonging to an unknown race of humans dating back 3.5 million years ago. This find means that this species wandered around at the same time as several other early human species from the Australopithecus family. Lucy is the most famous direct ancestor whose bones were discovered 42 years ago and it's estimated she lived three to 3.8 million years ago. This new addition to the family tree has been named Australopithecus dendermida, which translates to close relative in the language spoken by the Afar people that live in the area of its discovery. Then there's the mysterious Denisovans, a cousin of the Neanderthals who once roamed the Earth alongside Homo sapiens more than 60,000 years ago. Turns out the genomes of the Denisovans contain a segment of DNA that comes from another species completely unknown to science. DNA tests also discovered in the Soviets mated with a mystery species from Asia that's neither human nor Neanderthal and had huge, giant like teeth. Any more mystique to this conundrum is the discovery of four hunting spears that date back 400,000 years. These expertly crafted spears are found in a coal mine outside of Hanover, Germany, and are considered to be the oldest, most complete hunting weapons ever discovered. However, Orthodox academia and the conventional scientists stick to the Darwinian model, which argues that humans didn't begin hunting until about 40,000 years ago. Doesn't make any difference what the evidence says. Darwin has spoken. Advancements made in recent DNA tests have been shattering all kinds of established ideas concerning the theory of evolution. It's um, been revealed we carry more than 145 alien genes there are no direct links to our ancestors, squashing the notion that evolution relies solely on genes passed down through the ages. Mathematical codes in our DNA can't be explained by evolution, and some research even suggests that our junk DNA is the result of a genetic engineering experiment conducted by alien, an alien race millions of years ago. The proof of these alien experiments might be contained in the mysterious elongated skulls discovered in the Paracas region of Peru. DNA tests on these skulls uh, confirmed that they had mitochondrial DNA from mutations unknown in any humans, primate, or any other animals, for that matter. Curiously enough, some of these elongated skulls have been discovered with heads full of red hair. I guess that makes red-haired folks special. So, here's another new human-like species that's similar but vastly different from either Homo sapiens, Neanderthals, or Denisovans. All these mysterious species once roamed Earth thousands and even millions of years before the rise of smartphones and selfie sticks and Netflix and striped striped toothpaste. But where are the ancient giant bones surface? I mean, there's many who suspect that there's evidence hidden away in the basement of the Smithsonian and at various homes of private collectors, historians, occultists, and antiquarians. The legends of giant humans continue to entertained from beyond their hidden graves while interest in them has never been greater. There's even a six-episode show on the History Channel dedicated to searching for the the bones of these giants. Pouring over written accounts from the early 19th century career pattern emerges that portrays early America's home to more than just Native Indians. Discoveries of giants and giant mounds of a forgotten era were constantly being uh, discovered and openly talked about years before the Suppressing dogma of Darwinism came crashing it down. But not all of these giants were in the dirt, as a few chiefs from certain tribes remained visible. As the Western world was opened up by the exploring Conquistadors, some shocking discoveries were made, including first-hand accounts that reveal many giants were still roaming around in the Caribbean and remote areas of Mexico, South America, and the southern United States. In fact, giant bones were presented to travelers who were astounded to find proof that validated biblical tales and legends on the other side of the known world. Obviously, not all the giants were destroyed in the Great Flood. You know, as the conquistadors marched forward to change the course of history, they up behind a lot of written records describing their encounters with the surviving race of ancient giants. This race of giants had uh, mixed with Native Americans and shrunk significantly throughout the ages. Most reported accounts put their height anywhere between 7 to 9 feet. And this is a lot smaller than the 12 to 20 foot giants of antiquity who supposedly built the world's great megalithic structures like Stonehenge. Currently the tallest man in the world is Turkey's uh, Sultan Qosin who measures 8 feet 3 inches tall. Tallest man in the Recorded history was the American Robert Wadlow, who measured 8 feet 11 inches, an inch shy of being a true to life 9 foot tall giant. However, mainstream science blames Wadlow and costing super tall statues as a rare case of gigantism brought on by by pituitary, excuse me, hiccups, gland issue, and not because of wayward giant genes. But proof of giants can be found in a number of places, not just in uh, NBA league pass subscription. They're most prevalent, actually, in museum archives, the mythological histories, the histories of the natives, and and stone monuments and lost out-of-place artifacts that have been improperly dated and suppressed by academia. Now, ancient astronaut theorists claimed that a race of giants was created after the alien gods saw how beautiful the Earth's women were and decided to impregnate them. This meddling of the gene pool created an ancient race that became the dominant life form on the planet. The uh, so-called gods soon became intolerant of the giants who had become nefarious and wicked and decided to destroy them with earthquakes and floods. And this story has been told and retold in various forms by basically every ancient civilization in recorded history. (coughs) Excuse me. As for the giants of the ancient Americas, you might be able to trace their mysterious origins all the way back to the Bronze Age copper traders who once inhabited the icy regions of the upper Midwest. The Bronze Age was a period in history epitomized by the usage of bronze from the time of uh, 3200 up to uh, 600 BC It's an important milestone in human history with just one major unanswered question Where exactly did all this copper come from? Now we know Europe had its own Bronze Age, but archaeologists have reluctantly begun to accept that a lot more copper was used than the amounts attributed to European mines (coughs) Well the most logical answer of course is it came from America Science has determined and reluctantly admitted that large quantities of copper were mined in the Midwest during the European Bronze Age. But nobody seems to know what happened to all that copper after it was uh, mined up around the Great Lakes. To mainstream archaeologists, a The answer is uh, unquestionably no, as they remain adamant that there was no trans-oceanic contacts in the Bronze Age. Of course, maybe they ought to look at recent scientific literature, which provides uh, ample amounts of evidence that the best copper in the era couldn't possibly have come from Europe. More than 10 tons of copper oxide ingots recovered from a Bronze Age shipwreck off the coast of Turkey were found to be extraordinarily pure at more than 99.5%. Only Michigan copper, which was mined in enormous amounts during the Bronze Age, is uh, of this particular purity. Other similar ingots have been discovered in Crete and Sardinia and Cyprus and Turkey and Bulgaria and Israel and Egypt and England. Copper is one of the most common metals on the face of the planet. Uh, But copper that registers over 90% uh, pure is extremely rare and has only been discovered in the mines of the American Midwest. Historians estimate that half a billion pounds of copper was mined by ancient miners throughout a period of a 1,000 years in ancient Michigan alone. But nobody knows where all that Michigan copper went. But if you visit London's British Museum Bronze Age Acts exhibit, you'll be informed that from about 2,500 B.C., the use of copper, which is formerly limited to areas of southern Europe, somehow swept through the rest of the continent, despite the fact that nobody knows where the copper in Europe came from. Native Indian legends claim that copper was mined by a seafaring red-haired race of giants. Legends of North Wisconsin's Menominee uh, Indians say the ancient mines were first identified by magical stones possessed by the giants. When these giants pointed their enchanted stones at the ground, a ringing sound would echo off the stones, detailing the location of the copper ore deposits like some sort of ancient metal detector, and they well may have been metal detectors. Beside their mining operation, this mysterious giant race of miners left no other evidence of their existence behind. Not one burial or crematory deposit exists at or near any of the ancient um, Midwestern mining sites. Maybe these giants only worked during the summer seasons and went back home across the Atlantic or went south during the more frigid winter months. And that would explain the absence of any buildings or copper melting facilities that would require be required for longer stays. But where did all this copper mining knowledge come from? There isn't an established answer yet. (coughs) North America has no clear cut source for this copper mining culture that, according to the natives, were a race of sailing vagabond giants. When questioned about the the mines, the natives only knew of their existence in distant memories and legends. But amazingly, a few pieces of historical evidence associated with these mysterious miners have been found. 1660, a French missionary named Claude-Jean Allouz stumbled on a 12-inch copper statue that depicted a man with a beard, which is pretty peculiar considering the native Indians couldn't grow beards. Another giant linking artifact is a remarkable rock-carved petroglyph from about 1640 detailing one of their sailing ships, which can be seen at the Copper Harbor in uh, Keweenaw Peninsula in Michigan. During this thousand-year period of copper mining, it would make sense that some of the miners branched out to explore the western areas of the American continent. might even have begun to interbreed with the native population during this time period, which would account for a lot of um, mysteries. fascinating discovery related to the red-haired giants comes from the Lovelock Cave on Lake LaHontan in Nevada. In 1924, a pair of back guano farmers discovered a group of mummified giants buried with fishnets and duck decoys and shell art in a cave in uh, Lovelock, Nevada. The very sea-associated relics found in uh, the burial point back to uh, a time when Nevada was flush with abundant uh, rivers and lakes and water sources. A giant handprint, an extremely large 15-inch sandal, was also discovered in the cave, and one of the giant skulls was prominently displayed in the small town's museum up until 2010 before disappearing into memory due to a uh, change in muse- uh, museum policy. The giant handprint, discovered in 2013, was recently vandalized in an attempt to erase its existence. <coughs> uh, local Paiutes, a tribe indigenous to parts of Nevada, have an oral tradition where race of unfriendly and cannibalistic red-headed giants that came to the Lovelock uh, cave area from unknown lands uh, thousands of years ago. It seems a mysterious giants had uh, trekked and sailed across the American West at least 3,000 years before Lewis and Clark um, went on their little journey. They even brought back a shrub typically found in the rainforest gulches of the Pacific Northwest. This strange slu- a strange slu- <laughs> shrub with giant leaves and spiny stems does not appear anywhere else east of the Rocky Mountains. Plants has been uh, used medicinally for hundreds of years to treat diabetes and tumors and tuberculosis, and it appears it was brought to the Lake Superior region in ancient times and planted at the exact same spots where the giant miners were excavating copper. Well, these giants were well traveled. One of their arrowheads was discovered near a megalithic stone circle in the seaside town of Cornwall, England. When the farmer that discovered the airhead sent it to the British Museum for Identification, the museum shockingly replied, the airhead was more than 5,000 years old and came from Michigan. Well, the fact that the airhead was found near a megalithic monument is even more intriguing, considering that megaliths and uh, giants have become uh, synonymous throughout history. America has a megalithic history as well, uh, although one rarely discussed. Um... In the Northeast, ancient dolmens and stone works that are around at the solstices can be found in New Hampshire, New York, Vermont, Massachusetts, and all the way up into Canada and Nova Scotia. When English pilgrims began to settle in the Northeast, they were shocked to find the same types of megalithic structures they known in Bronze Age Europe. The Governor of Connecticut in 1657, John Winthrop Jr., a prominent member of the Royal Academy in London, wrote lengthy papers about these ancient stone forts and dolmens of New England. He compared them to the stone wonders found on the mystery hills of Avebury in north, southwest England. When asking the local Algonquin Indians for information regarding these northeastern megaliths, he was disappointed to discover they didn't know any more about them than he did. They attributed these their mysterious origins to an ancient race of long-lost giants. Well, eventually the 20th century rolled around, and reports from Winthrop Jr. and others documenting pre Columbia voyages across the Atlantic were subsequently left out of the history books. I mean, after all, our retired scientists know much more than the people who are there. This meant that the possibilities of megalithic works found in America, which mirrored those of ancient Europe, are relegated to the list of impossibles despite uh, the obvious proof that they existed. Academia, academia would soon uh, just ignore the topic altogether. Even when Harvard educated genius Barry Fell wrote books about the subject in 1970s in an effort to shift the paradigm. Samuson went out their way to destroy him, him in the hopes that uh, his information ever reached the enlightened minds of the future. And he did a pretty good job as, well, theories aren't taught in schools and his books have been assigned a prominent, permanent home in the dusty basement of most libraries you know how a valley and area rampant with mounds and giant bones there's a bronze age hinge similar to those discovered in the british isles used as solar markers and calendars a hinge is normally a circular overshaped area that's confined by earthworks comprised of timbers stone circles monoliths burials and earthen mounds These megalithic uh, stone circles uh, hinges uh, frighten archaeologists because it destroys their false timeline of uh, history the uh, it's interesting to note there's also a solar hinge complex in Newark, Ohio, which consists of a stone circle that tracked the moon and the movements of the sun. Recent excavations around the ditch of the hinge unearthed a pile of burnt wood. Carbon dated tests uh, revealed a date between 1800 BC, which places the hinge in a time frame that doesn't jive with the historical paradigm put forth by established academia. In fact, the entire state of Ohio is home to a diverse amount of strange American anomalies, from mounds to giants to mysterious ancient tablets. Seems that the Upper Ohio Valley was once host to a lost, forgotten race of giants. Could this be where the goat giant miners of Michigan decided to call home when they weren't hammering out copper? Excavated mounds in Chillicothe, Ohio, produced art ranging from metal copper birds to numerous intricately carved effigy pipes and copper masks. One report even listed the barrel of an ancient giant decked out in copper armor. The uh, From that report, one excerpt, the, the party under the direction of Chief Putnam of the Ethnological Department of the Exposition, who had been making excavations of the mounds for, in Ohio for several months, met with rare success near Chilicothe in making one of the richest finds of the century in the way of prehistoric remains. While at work on a mound near Chilicothe, 500 feet long, 200 feet wide, and 28 feet high, they found the massive skeleton of a man encased in copper armor, the head covered with a oval-shaped copper cap, the arms dressed in copper with copper plates on the breast and uh, stomach All on each of the side of the head on protruding uh, sticks were wooden antlers ornamented with copper. Mount excavations done in the late 1800s revealed even more astonishing finds related to giants, including huge rust-corroded iron helmets, 39-pound copper axes, a Marbury conch, and Porea seal-inspired necklaces imported all the way from the Atlantic Ocean. Mounds in Bainbridge, Ohio, reveal mummified bodies dressed in uh, pearl-covered robes, half a million freshwater pearls, and more giants decked out in copper helmets and armor. Hundreds of newspaper reports have commented on the vast amount of giant uh, discoveries that were being made in Ohio during the settling of America. In fact, there was one uh, account in the Seven Point Daily Journal in 1886, which uh, I read with great interest. This account said, uh, Ohio account of nine-foot giants. It's very evident that at an early day in the history of this country, this section of Ohio was an important camping ground for the American Indian. And indeed, discoveries are frequently made which lead people uh, interested in the matter of prehistoric America to believe that a race of mankind, superior in size, strength, and intelligence to the common red man of the forest flourished not only along the coast, uh, east and south, but right here in southern Ohio. There are in this county several burying grounds, and two of them are located five miles west of the city near Jasper, one in the farm of Mr. William Bush and one on uh, Mr. Matt uh, Marks' farm. In a conversation with a gentleman who'd been, uh, who had seen skeletons on Earth at the Mark uh, Bank, we're told that many dozens of human skeletons have been exhumed since the bank was first opened. And some of these skeletons have been measured, and the largest has been found to be nine feet long and over. One time, ten skeletons were exhumed. They'd been buried in a circle, standing in an erect position when a comparatively well-preserved condition. One remarkable fact about all the skeletons on Earth at these places is the perfect state of preservation in which their teeth are found to be. Not a decayed tooth has been discovered. This will seem to indicate these people naturally had excellent teeth or some extraordinary manner of preserving them. But the question becomes, where did all these skeletons go? September 26, 1889, the Cincinnati Courier-Gazette made an interesting report. Entitled, Gigantic Man Buried Alongside a Colossal Panther. About five feet above this layer, or nine feet from the summit of the mound, was a skeleton of a very large individual who'd been buried by the side of, who had been buried by the side of it the bones of a panther. The skull of this panther was very large, teeth very long and sharp. take a mound builder a great deal of nerve to attack a beast of this size if he had nothing but a stone hatchet and bow and arrow to defend himself. And just below this skeleton, lying on the layer of buried bones, was a medium-sized personage who had uh, had buried around his neck in the manner of a necklace, between his uh, upper and lower jaw, 147 bone and shell beads. The shell beads were made from the thick part of conch and perula shells, and these shells had to have been carried from the Atlantic Ocean, as they are ocean shells not found inland. where the tribe to which this man belonged may have traded with tribes near the ocean and got the beads in that fashion. Well, while digging in preparation for the World's Fair in Ohio, workers were shocked to discover the copper-clad barrel of an ancient giant monarch. November 21st, 1891, the of the Ohio Enterprise uh, had an interesting story. Warren Moorhead and Dr. Cresson, who had been pers- uh, prosecuting excavations here for the past two months in the interest of the World's Fair, just made one of the richest finds of the century in, a, in the way of uh, prehistoric remains. These gentlemen had confined near excavation at a Hopewell farm seven miles from here upon which uh, are located about uh, 20 odd Indian mounds. On Saturday they were at work on a mound 500 feet long 200 feet wide and 28 feet high. At the depth of 14 feet near the center of the mound they exhumed the massive skeleton of a man encased in copper armor. Head was covered with a oval-shaped copper cap. The jaws had copper moldings. The arms were dressed in copper with copper plates covered the chest and stomach on each side of the head. On protruding sticks were wooden antlers, one of with copper. The mouth was stuffed with genuine pearls of immense size, but much decayed. Around the neck was a necklace of bear's teeth set with pearls. At the side of the male skeleton was found a female skeleton, the two being supposed to be man and wife. Mr. Moorhead and Mr. Crescent believed they had last found the king of the mound builders. But however impressive this once mighty lost race of copper mining giants had been, by the time the Spanish conquistadors came to the Americas, there were nothing more than a fleeting memory in the shadows of um, bad fairy tales at the end of the Native American folk stories. It is interesting to note that every single ancient race, had similar stories. And unless you want to think that they all got together and got their stories from the same source, they were all reporting what they had seen. Now, when the Spanish conquistadors came to the New World, they were expecting to find gold. They didn't expect to have deadly encounters with strange giant Indians. Unfortunately, most of what the Spanish thought was gold turned out to be tumbaga, a mixed bronze alloy painted to look like the precious metal the conquistadors are so desperately seeking. In fact, the conquistadors wound up finding more hardships than actual gold as they plundered and murdered and enslaved their way through the Western Hemisphere on the name of God, of course. Looking to spread Christianity to the savages they encountered was their way of reconciling the fact we were destroying these thousand-year-old cultures. But the conquistadors, um, well, the marching armies of Spain and the heads of Spain were interested in only one thing, Gold. So imagine the shock and disbelief of the conquistadors on their first encounters with giant Indians. It must have been a truly mind-blowing uh, sight to behold. Since the average height of a the Spanish was about five foot four at the time. Keep in mind these giant Indians were between six to nine feet in height, making uh, battles against him something of a daunting task. Spanish encounters with giant Indians were scarce as most of the natives were of normal size but chiefs of certain tribes were indeed giants they made these claims to keep a certain giant bloodline alive as a archaic set of mystery genes was passed down among tribe members uh, ages ago some of these giant indian chiefs were now the inheritors of the lost race of red-headed giants that woods mine copper in the bronze age shores of lake superior but their forefathers already long buried the giant chiefs of the fifteen hundreds knew it wouldn't be long before their race would suffer the same fate as the arrival of the conquistadors signaled, signaled a certain doom. Conquistador and explorer Panfilo de Navarez had already conquered Jamaica, and Cuban failed to capture native settlements in the sticky jungles of North Florida. He retreated back to port at Tampa Bay with less than half his men. Starving and with No gold in sight, his men moaned their empty bellies as he marched back to shore. Those who survived were lucky enough to not perish in the Florida jungles or get picked out by arrows flung from native archers. When the starving Neverez finally made it to the harbor, he discovered his ships and all but vanished. No other option. He and his remaining soldiers made makeshift rafts and attempted to sail back to Cuba, but ran headfirst into a menacing storm and were never seen again last man to see Navarez are alive and tell of it was Avar Nunez Cabeza de Vaca, who was one of only four men to miraculously survive this grueling expedition. After a harrowing nine-year journey that nearly killed him multiple times, Cabeza de Vaca published his amazing story in 1542, and it became a sizzling Spanish bestseller. <coughs> Cabeza de Vaca's story had all the exciting elements found in page-turning classics and the Extra special ingredients such as battles in the strange Florida jungle with giant Indians. One excerpt, uh, which was interesting, I thought, he said, When we attempted to cross the large lake, we came under heavy attack from any giant Indians concealed behind trees. Some of our men were wounded in this conflict, which the good armor they wore didn't avail. The Indians we'd seen so far were all archers. They go naked, they're larger bodied, and appear at a distance like giants. They were of admirable proportions, very spare, and of great activity and strength. The bows they use are as thick as the arm, of eleven or twelve palms in length, which they discharge at two hundred paces with so great a precision they miss nothing. Ten years later, Hernando de Soto followed in the various footsteps, assailing nine ships into Tampa Bay with the intent of conquering Florida once and for all. As they ventured inland, they encountered various tribes, each with a giant that ranged as chief. Conquistadors kidnapped these chiefs and infuriated local tribes, which banded together to fight under the tomahawk of the great chief Capafi uh, of the Apalachee. The uprising sparked a war that lasted for weeks. De Soto eventually chased Kapafi deep into what would be modern day Tallahassee before capturing and executing the giant rebel. Hernando de Soto's encounters with giants continued as he pushed further inland with more than 600 men and 200 horses. Rodrigo Rangel de soto's private secretary wrote about the uh, mighty giant chief tuscaloosa and the chief's giant offspring who greeted the weary conquistadors he marched into muggy alabama well at that note we come to the end of today's show but i want to make it clear that the history that we have learned is not the true history it is the accepted history we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Until then, this is Ken Huddle for the Ken Huddle Show saying, Have a truly great evening.